please rise. And we'll sing our hymn, How Good the Name of Jesus Sounds, on page 487. Please be seated. Good morning, Moravians and guests. Good morning. Welcome to Edgeboro Moravian Church, where we are a dedicated community in loving God, growing in Christ, and sharing in the Holy Spirit. I have a few announcements to make. Our Wednesday evening soup dinners continue this Wednesday at 6 p.m., with our Lenten series to follow. We continue with the theme of the Lebenslauf, or for you non-Germans out there, our life story. Also today, Ryan Beller and Carol Schechter will be available after worship to help individuals set up or troubleshoot electronic giving through the e-give. They'll be available one more time on April 7th before and after worship. Today, if you need some help, they're located in a parlor. Also today, Edgeboro is serving lunch at the Salvation Army. If you're able to lend a hand after worship, head down there and see what you can do. You can sling some hash, serve some dessert, walk around with a smile. It all counts. Now, here's one of my favorites. Next Sunday is the Benevolent Breakfast. Before worship from 8.15 to 10.15. Now, we all know Marcia and her crew can really throw some hash out there. Good grub. Uh, next, next Sunday, after worship, the, en- the Edgeboro Ensemble will rehearse. That's all I have. Is there any other announcements out there? Yes.
Thank you, Josh. Do we have any other announcements? Yes. We hope that you can join on the gatherings and ministries of this church. Today, we welcome Pastor Chris Johnson to worship. She is here to help lead worship while Pastor Dan's away visiting family in Minnesota. Chris has served the Moravian Church for a number of years and most recently finished up as interim pastor at Emmaus Moravian Church. Here's our weekly watchword. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him, call upon him while he is near. Please join me in use in prayer. God, today is the day you have made holy. As we live out this day, may we strive to strengthen our relationship with you. Help us to see you in the eyes of our sisters and brothers. Mold us into the people you desire us to be this day and days to come. Amen. Please turn to page eight on our Meridian Songbook. God of peace, we seek your peace in our hearts and in our world. We celebrate your serenity of spirit in the midst of life's opportunities and challenges. We celebrate harmony in our families and in all our relationships. We celebrate the days when our families live in your peace without fear. Yet we confess that at times we act in ways that do not support the spiritual life we celebrate. At times our response to life is less than serene. As times we contribute to the conflict in our families and relationships. At times, our actions and attitudes do not provide a safe place for others to grow. At times, Lord God, our hearts do not glorify you. And they shall stand every morning, thanking and praising the Lord. To you, O oh God, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and power. Lord, where can I go from your spirit? If I ascend to heaven or make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Jesus assures, I will be with you always to the end of the age. You, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call on you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayers. 
Listen to my cry of supplication in the day of my trouble. I call on you, for you will answer me. God of peace, we seek your peace in our hearts and in our world. With grateful hearts, we give thanks to you. Fill us with your spirit. Renew our lives with your purpose. Open our hearts to your will. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, and satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen.
was fun. Thank you, Edge Band. I understand the Edge Band doesn't usually uh, lead worship when Dan's not here, but I said, oh, that makes me sad. And so thank you for stepping up. I appreciate it. Hi, I'm Pastor Chris, sometimes called Pastor Chris the girl when Pastor Chris the boy is in the house. But I am your substitute preacher today, which is sort of like being a substitute teacher. And I have a children's message planned. So if there are folks who'd like to come up for that, even though you don't know me yet, we're, we're all part of God's family. So we're all related anyway. So. Now, how does this usually work? Do you guys usually sit like on the pew and I kind of just hang out here? Okay, good, good. Welcome, everybody. There's a lot of you. That's awesome. I love it. Wow. This is good. So I brought something with me today. You all have a seat. You can sit on the floor, and that's fine. Yeah, there's space. For, there's always space for everyone. I have something with me today. Can you tell what it is? Anybody know what it is? What is it? No, it's, it's actually not. Let's, let's try another. What is it? It's not candy. This is old school. You might not know what it is. It's Kool-Aid, yeah. It doesn't much come like this anymore. <laughs> but here, so don't, don't open it, okay? Because it's not rock candy. It's not Pop Rocks. It's not some of the things you thought it was. So I hope that's not disappointing to you. But um, it, it's, uh, it comes in a lot of colors, doesn't it? It comes in lots of colors, lots of flavors. And yeah, so... What's the best flavor? Does anybody think any of these flavors are the best flavor? Did I miss someone? Everybody get one? Okay. What's the best flavor? Yours is the best flavor? Yours is the best flavor? Maybe. Maybe. Could be. I like, I like cherry myself. That's my favorite flavor. Yeah, you've got the cherry. Very good. Okay. So, so being that you didn't really recognize what these were, does anybody know how these work? How, how, do, you, how do you use these? Very, okay, okay, so like I said, don't open it here and now, but it's something to drink, right? It doesn't look like something to drink, it's all kind of dried up in there. But yeah, you take it home, you put it in a pitcher, like, you know, like a, a pitcher like this big. Does anybody have a pitcher at home? Or maybe we don't have those anymore either, I don't know. <laughs> okay, you put it in a pitcher, and then you add stuff to it. You, you're going to want to add a little bit of sugar to it probably. And you're definitely going to want to add water to it. And when my grandma would make it for me, she'd put some water in, and then she'd fill the rest of the pitcher up with lemonade. So that was like deluxe Kool-Aid. <laughs> it was really pretty awesome. Yeah. So what's the important ingredient in this, you think? If you're going to drink it, when would you drink something? When you're what? Thirsty. That's right. So when you're thirsty, what's the important part of the Kool-Aid? Is it... Is it this, or is it something else? It's the water. Yeah, the water's the important part. What, what's important about water? Anybody know? What's important about water? Yeah, yeah. What do you think? When it's for washing your hands, that's right. It helps us stay clean. What else is water good for? Help you live. That's kind of important, isn't it? It's kind of important. We need water to live. It helps 
everything, all living things grow with water, and living things don't survive without water. So the Kool-Aid's the fun part. It's like the extra happiness. But the water is the really important part. In the Bible, we hear a lot about water. We hear that, sometimes we hear that Jesus is like water. We hear that God quenches our thirst when we're really thirsty deep down. God quenches our thirst. But that's not only when we're thirsty for water. We get thirsty for other things. Yeah. We get thirsty sometimes for what? For friendship. And we get thirsty for kindness in a world where maybe not everyone's always kind to us. We get thirsty for love. And that's, that's, the, that's the flavor we want. That's the good flavor. I heard something really neat yesterday I want to tell you about quickly. Um, so when you make your Kool-Aid or whatever it is you're going to drink, where do you get that water from? Where do you get it from? Where, where do you get water at your house? You go in the kitchen, maybe? Yeah. yeah. And it comes out of what? Out of the stove? No, where's the water come from? It comes from the sink, right? We, we're so fortunate. We just turn on the dial, the, the, the spigot, the handle, and water comes out. And that's amazing. We thank God for that. Yesterday, I heard about in um, a place in Africa, uh, a village in Africa, they didn't have water where you could just turn the handle and water came out. They had to, I don't know, maybe take a bucket with them and go down to the river to get their water. And man, would that be hard work? That'd be really hard work and it was really hard to do. But in this village, the church, the Moravian church, actually in this village, helped to put water in that town. And not every, not the, the hospital didn't have water, the school didn't have water, the houses didn't have water, but they brought water to the, to the town and they put one faucet in the middle of the town. And so you still have to come with your bucket to get your water, but you don't have to go down to the river to get your water. And it's really, really important because water is so important. So I'm grateful that they put water in this village but the extra special thing was that the church helped put the water in that village, which means it's kind of extra specially flavored with God's love. So it's extra special water. All right, I'm going to say a little prayer. Let's, let's fold our hands and bow our heads. Dear God, thank you for water because it's so important to us and it's so important to everyone in the world. But thank you for flavoring it with your love. It's a gift from you and let us appreciate that and let us think of you every time we take a big deep sip. Thank you for your love. That is our favorite flavor. Amen. All right. It was great to, to meet you and yeah, take this on home and give it a try. It'll be a wild experiment for some of you. <laughs> Good morning. It's wonderful to see so many children here. <clears throat> Our first reading today is from Isaiah 55, verses 1 
29, regular print Bible, page 685, and the large print Bible, 1039. Ho, everyone who thirst, come to the waters, and you that have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy milk and wine without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen, so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall return to God, shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord, that he may have mercy on them, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So we turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. The regular print Bibles, page 76, and the large print Bible, page 107. At that very time, there was some present who told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the other living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent you will all perish, just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for these three years I've come looking for fruit on the fig tree, and I still find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil, he replied. Sir, let it alone. For one more year until I dig around it and and put manure on it, and if bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Thus end the reading of God's holy word.
Indeed, all who are thirsty, come. Thank you again, musicians. So Tom gave a little bio on me. Um, I would just like to add, so, so I am um, Reverend Chris Johnson, and I currently live in Easton, where my husband, Daryl, is the newish pastor of Palmer Moravian Church, and so I'm a currently unattached Moravian clergy person. Um, but um, about, uh, about a decade ago, Daryl and I served at East Hills, just up the street. So if my face looks familiar to you, it might be because we hung out at a BAM picnic together or something. Um, or it might mean that I knew you from Midway Manor back in the day. And I think there's even some Edgeboro folks who hang out in Jeanette and Hutton, Ohio. So, uh, so our connections are many, and it's really good to be together today. So it's really not my habit to title my sermons, because usually I change my mind after it goes to print. But, but if my message today did have a title, it might be the Arizona Parables. Um, as I was living with the text this week, um, different images kept popping into my head. Images of both um, thirst from the Old Testament reading and images of not fig trees, but fruit trees more generally from um, the, the New Testament passage. And those images that I, that I kept seeing took me way back, way back in time, about a half a gazillion years ago to when I was a student pastor at a Moravian church in the Phoenix area. I spent a summer there. Yeah, a summer in Phoenix. Um, no one spends a summer in Phoenix on purpose, but that's what you do, and you want to do an internship, at a, a summer internship at a church. Um, so um, the church itself was so vibrant, and, uh, and my supervising pastor, my mentor there was uh, Reverend Paul Groff. He's now right Reverend Paul Groff, um, but he was a wonderful mentor, and, and the setting, I thought, was really exotic, because I grew up in the Midwest, and I'd never before encountered saguaro cacti or scorpions in my bathtub or um, uh, the legendary dry heat of Arizona. Um, it was all very, as I said, exotic. Um, I lived in this terrific borrowed condo for that summer, and the condo had um, patio doors right, right off my bedroom uh, into a private courtyard. You really couldn't have asked for anything more wonderful than that. And in the courtyard, uh, there were actually some, um, there was like a little citrus orchard back there. There were fruit trees, and it was amazing. So um, I, was, I was used to, in my Midwest existence, having like rhubarb plants and raspberry bushes, but I never had my own citrus tree before. So like maybe the second day I was there, I got really excited, and I, and I took a bowl from the kitchen, and I went out into the, this little courtyard, and I started picking limes off this tree. Um, they were a little on the small side, but they were a gorgeous, gorgeous shade of deep green, and I, I just could hardly make wait to go in and make a pitcher full of fresh limeade. But when I cut those limes in half and I went to squeeze them, really, they didn't yield any juice. They were dry inside. And I was really disappointed and, and frustrated. 
And so I'm trying to figure this out. I came to the conclusion this must be an ornamental tree. It must only be for, you know, to look good. Because it was really pretty, but I was so disappointed. And I, I thought to myself, well, this is really stupid. You know, if somebody's going to plant a fruit tree, it should, like, give fruit. So if this were my orchard, I'd just chop that thing down and put in a real tree. That was my conclusion. So the next day, as I went to the church and I was meeting with Reverend Paul, um, I, I told him my story about the lime tree. And initially, he looked at me really puzzled, and he said, what lime tree? And he thought about it for a moment before just bursting out into robust laughter, and he said, that's not a lime tree, that's a lemon tree. Think about that. He, he was laughing so hard, he had tears rolling down his face. <laughs> wait, what, what, what? So that magnificent green fruit I couldn't wait to pick, yeah, those weren't ripe limes. Those were unripe lemons. They were months away from being ready to pick. Immature fruit. Paul's recommendation was that, like the fig tree in Jesus' story, I be nurtured and fertilized and allowed to hang around for another year or so until I knew what I was talking about. I was a little bit embarrassed, I have to say, but I learned something about citrus trees, and I learned about the growing seasons in the desert southwest, and, and I learned that my naivete was forgivable, and I learned that I had much to learn, even beyond gardening. Paul gave me a big old bear hug, uh, as only Paul can do, and my mortification sort of faded away. It was a new day with plenty of fresh opportunities to try new things, to make new mistakes, to be loved anyway, and to gain new perspective along the way. This is not exactly what Jesus is talking about in today's passage, but, but I draw hope and peace and joy from his conclusion about the fig tree. The fig tree would not be chopped down but rather would be attentively nurtured for a year uh, before its progress would be reviewed again. The tree received a reprieve, another chance to grow and to become what it was created to be, fruitful. In the parable, Jesus assigns a deadline to the fate of that tree. He says, give it a year. And this is sort of the rub in the passage. Uh, people debate whether the lesson is about God's grace or about God's judgment. Which is it? In the lead-up to Jesus' fig tree parable, some unidentified people had approached Jesus with, with breaking news. They, they told him about a, a terrible headliner filled with, filled with violence um, history has not left us the details of that event, but it's presented as, you know, as a current event of the day, and it was something that was heinous. It was, it was having to do with a government-authorized bloodbath, and, and we don't know, uh, we don't really know why these folks were motivated to tell Jesus this story at this particular time, to draw it to his attention. They might have simply been um, revealing current events, uh, keeping up to speed, as we often do. You know, we say, did you hear? Did you hear about what happened in New Zealand? 
you know, and it's concern. It also might have been that they were trying to get Jesus, uh, a reaction out of Jesus, uh, trying to stir up his passion, fuel a fire of insurrection against the Romans, maybe. We don't know for sure. But Jesus uses this example to kind of quell the sensationalism, um, although not the urgency. Uh, He compares what they've just told him to another current event. He was talking about a, a construction accident in which a bunch of people actually got killed when this tower fell over on them. And that's, again, like, did, did you hear about the Boeing jet crash? You know, it's how we, we share stories and try and figure out life in the moment, especially through the filter of our faith. But Jesus was saying, as he was comparing these two news stories, He was saying, you know, in the end, dead is dead. Uh, There is no degree of it. There's no ranking it. And it doesn't have anything to do with one batch of people being more deserving of it than another batch because their sins were worse than somebody else's sins. Jesus nixes all that and says that's not what this is about. But, But in all this talk of tragic outcomes... It's, it is life-giving to turn toward God. That's what Jesus is telling us. And in, 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 no matter what's going on about us, it's uncontrollable and difficult and tragic. Turning to God is always the answer. Many versions of scripture say, I think our, ours that we heard this morning says, repent, repent. Um, to me, that sounds a little like church language. It sounds a little jargony. And, um, and it's a word that's sort of loaded so I, I try and figure out, pull back from that, and figure out, what, well, what does that word really mean? I often turn to Eugene Peterson to get um, to strip away some of that kind of language. And in his translation, The Message, he doesn't say repent. He says, turn toward God. Turn toward God. In a conversation about devastation and death, whether it be by murder or by accident, Jesus ends that conversation by giving us an image of life, a tree, a tree with all its potential to flourish and even extra encouragement towards abundance. And so this is how I hear the lesson. The sooner we turn toward God, the sooner we blossom right here in this earthly orchard. So often I think there's a tendency somewhere out there in the air Uh, Someone has put it out there that says repentance is the way we kind of claw and crawl our way into eternity. I think this is something I once saw in a comic-style religious tract left on a cafeteria table or or something I heard a, a, a TV evangelist say when I was flipping channels late one night. But I don't think that's consistent with who God is or who Jesus leads us to be. Our eternal life is secured through the boundless love of God. And the more we are aware of that, the more we can be freed to grow in this life, tended and mulched personally by the hand of Jesus. I love the Isaiah 55 passage that speaks so poetically of God's abundance. Before I even recognized that this was a scripture passage when I was a kid. 
I learned it as part of the Thanksgiving liturgy in the old Moravian Red hymnal. It's part of Thanksgiving. And the imagery of thirsting after God has, um, that imagery also takes me back to another moment, another encounter I had in Arizona. Greater Metropolitan Phoenix is called the Valley of the Sun. And it is, indeed, it's a valley. It is ringed by rugged mountains. And one evening, I was invited to go hiking, uh, climbing, actually, by a young couple in the congregation. Um, I think their names were Craig and Jody. I'm I'm not sure. But but, um, they were outdoor recreationists, and uh, and they outfitted me appropriately for the expedition. They, They brought me sunscreen and bug spray and a hat and water. Lots of water, because remember, it's Arizona. It's summer. (laughs) Um, And into the water, Craig poured a packet of cherry-flavored enhancement, something or other. It wasn't Kool-Aid. I asked him about the reason for the powder, and he said, well, they're electrolytes. And he said, the best explanation I can give you for why those are important is they, well, they make the water wetter. Yeah, I've been working on that one for years now. They make the water wetter. That didn't make any sense to me. But as we walked, he he further explained that the electrolytes help the body to retain fluid, which in turn helps stave off dehydration, uh, helps regulate your blood pressure, and it fends off heat stroke. And, And then Craig said, you should drink some now. And I said, well, I'm not thirsty yet. And, and Jody said, well, if you wait till you're thirsty, that means you're already dehydrated. It's best to keep ahead of your thirst. So we walked and talked for 45 minutes or so before the walk became a hike, and then eventually the hike became a climb. And upwards, upwards, we wound. And the very last section of the trail, it was a short section, but it was a for me it was a really complex section. The last section of the trail required a little bit of... Uh, looking for handholds and footholds, a little bit of actual climbing, something I'd never done before. Craig and Jody made it to the top because, you know, this was easy for them. But I worked myself into a corner of that mountain, and I couldn't quite figure out where to go and what to do next. And Craig said, turn toward me, turn toward me. And from up above, he was reaching down a hand, I think. But I was stuck in a corner. I couldn't really see that. And I said, you know, I'm good where I am. I I don't need to go any higher. It's okay. I'm, I'm fine here. I came this far. It's good enough. And Craig said again, turn toward me. And, uh... I said, no, 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 I'm good. I don't need to go any higher. And, and Jody from up above me said, yeah, yeah, you do. You've come this far. Come on. And Craig said, turn toward me. And Jody said, you don't want to miss the best view in, in the city. You'd regret it. And Craig said one more time, turn toward me. And I did. I twisted around on that little ledge. And I reached up for assistance, and Craig pulled me to the top. And there it was, a fantastic vista to take in. And we stood there high above the city, and we all drank from our wetter-than-water bottles to hydrate our very cells while we, we basked in the abundant desert beauty. 
personal accomplishment, human connection, God's blessings. Turn toward me, Jesus says, and I'll give you life. I'll quench your spirit with something wetter than water. I'll help you so that you'll flourish, even in the desert. As you continue your Lenten journey, drawing ever closer to Jesus along the way, contemplate in what areas of your life you need to repent. That is, turn toward him, trust him. Remembering, remembering always to hydrate yourself along the way by drinking in the refreshment of God, whether you think you're thirsty or not, and allow yourself to grow in fruitfulness, becoming as juicy and as ripe citrus while you are being nurtured. Limeade, lemonade, Kool-Aid, all around. Amen. And now, not because we have to, because we are grateful. Let us return to God what is ours to share.
God of love and forgiveness, we offer our gifts this morning knowing that we resemble those to whom Isaiah prophesies. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? We have chased after things that we thought would bring joy, and then found them to be empty and unfulfilling. Lord, we long to return to you and invest ourselves in things that last and bring lasting joy. As we seek you in every moment, with all we have and all we are, we pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Pastor Dan left me with a, a few uh, congregational prayer concerns, uh, joys and concerns that I share with you today. Uh, we lift up prayers of joy for Jean Batt, who celebrated her 90th birthday on Friday. Is Jean here? I don't know who Jean is, so... No? Okay, all right. Well, we, we, uh, we congratulate Jean and that we do rejoice. Um, Dan asked us to lift up prayers for those at the Salvation Army as they prepare lunch there, even as we speak. Um, he emailed me this morning. He forwarded a, a prayer request from Mike Long. Um, Mike says, uh, Mike asked continued prayers for Tom dealing with complications from knee surgery and prayers for uh, Mike's riding buddy, Ron, and his family. Ron is hospitalized with serious symptoms. He's in Florida uh, with an unexpected illness. And then also uh, prayers for uh, Mike's mom as she prepares for oral surgery on Thursday. Um, I'll, I would like to add uh, prayers for uh, prayers of celebration for uh, the community in the Congo that now has running water. We rejoice uh, in that. And we pray for those who hunger and thirst for all kinds of things, that their physical and their spiritual and all their needs be met. Are there joys, concerns you'd like to raise? Prayers for is it gay? You said, okay. Uh, uh, in in as a, a, a as she has this this flare up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Prayers for Bill certainly. Oh, is that a cast? Uh, (laughs) Prayers for healing. And whatever you did, be more careful next time. Um, but I do have a bow update. Um, he's doing great. I just got-
got this in three pounds, eight ounces. Went up, <laughs> went up on his feet, then he's back to a wall cannula, and from what I understand, that's a good thing. <laughs> Tomorrow we are still hoping to try bottle feeding. So he'll be getting breast milk through the bottle hopefully very soon. And then I have a side note, and my daughter just whatevered me, so I need prayers for that too. <laughs> so thank you all for your prayers I think you got all that. Uh, prayers um, for sorrow uh, in times of mourning, at the end of life, um, for those who hurt, who are left behind. Um, hopefully there is great hope uh, in that even though there is pain. Prayers of rejoicing at the beginning of life. It sounds like a life that's been fragile. And um, I loved your whoop whoops and your, and your applause. So, so ongoing prayers. And then for the whatever, the in-between of life. And we all have whatever that we need prayer for. Let's go to God in prayer. Holy and almighty one, we pray because... We know we can trust you. We can trust you with all that hurts us. We can trust you with all that worries us. We can trust you with all that perplexes us. And we can trust you with all that needs attention from you. And we can trust you with all good things that we celebrate in this life. Lord, hear our prayers, not only for ourselves, but these prayers we lift up on behalf of others, those who celebrate milestones from the very youngest to the 90-year-olds, uh, those who work to bring um, relief and comfort and uh, uh, just relief from distress to those in need. And we pray for your help along our journey, wherever it is we need to grow in faith, grow in maturity, grow into uh, the fruitful beings you would have us be. You have big plans for us. Let us grow to fill them. Holy One, for this congregation that serves this community, that serves beyond and as far as, as far as love can go uh, through the networking of God's people in this world, we're grateful. We praise your holy name, and we thank you for your presence in our very lives. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning, I just wanted to make note. Um, you'll note on, on 273 that it's in the section marked Advent, and uh, so it is not a misprint, but I think, it, uh, I think it comes out as a very good Lenten hymn for us this day as, as we think about the many, many blessings of God and turning toward Jesus to help us be fruitful and to find forgiveness and always, always that spectacular grace. So I invite you to rise to sing Once He Came in Blessing.
go from here carrying Christ with you, growing, turning toward him, maturing in your faith in ever more juicy ways. Amen.